Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 200, episode 4 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it's Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. It's my wife, for worse or better. She's gotta love me forever. I just wanna thank her for her time. It's my wife. <laughs> that is courtesy of Christy Yamaguchi Main, the My Wife version of My Life by Bon Jovi. Uh, he did specify that Bon Jovi does the Borat voice here. Oh, so wow. it, was, it was a hard one to pull off, but you know, I, I'm, I appreciate that he believes in me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co host, Mr. Miles Gray. It's Miles Gray, a.k.a. the host of Name That Fart, a.k.a. Shat <laughs> Stay Strapped, a.k.a. Phallic Trebek, a.k.a. Pooh Carry, a.k.a. Fuck Around and Find Out Woolery. A.K.A. Stink Fartendale. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and thank you to Christy Yamaguchi, man, for those wonderful game show hosts, A.K.A.s. Was, did you say something about Name That Fart on yesterday's episode? I don't know. I, it I feel like, like you threw I, that out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, and I, it feels, I meant it, to comment on it. but Yeah, uh, I, half the time people tweet and I'm like, oh yeah, right, I said that. This yeah. feels like a blur all the time. Yeah, as we're about to talk uh, with our <laughs> guest about can when yes. you host a daily show, uh, when you're on a daily show, working on a daily show, it all just, you know, the rough edges get sanded away. And yeah. You just become a smooth vessel for podcast. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of our guest, we are thrilled to be joined by a researcher and writer for Cool Zone Media. His work has appeared on Behind the Bastards. The new It Could Happen Here Daily Show, as well as Lawson. He studied anthropology at the University of Chicago, focusing on ecological social movements and Chinese capitalism. And you may know him as the guy who ends every tweet with, moreover, <laughs> ice must be destroyed. Please welcome to the show, Christopher Wong! Hey, hey, hey. Hello, happy, happy to be here. Oh, uh, lovely welcome. to have you. Lovely yeah. to have you. So what's, how's the Daily Show grind treating you? You know, yeah, I... I I think yeah. In, in week two was when I just lost all sense of time, and yeah, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see how week like two hundred goes when I just like have forgotten that calendars exist and right. haven't slept in one trillion years. It's gonna it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, look, it it blurs together at first. It can be very uh, uh nervy experience, and then you settle in. You know, like a nice warm bath, and you don't realize mm. that you're slowly sinking in deeper and deeper <laughs> to the point you're like it's been how many years it's been <laughs> yep. 200 seasons uh, yep. yeah and then pretty soon all you can do is uh it's been and uh, my wife and, and yeah and those... the next you know my wife leaves me <laughs> yeah because <laughs> that's the only thing i can do when interacting with her <laughs> it's borat impression please no. please the family's falling apart <laughs> my wife <laughs> All right, September. How's September treating everyone so far? Oh my God! Wow, couldn't be better. First day of school for the for the youngins today. Uh, absolute chaos, mate. Oh, for your children's? Yeah, oh, no. for my children's. <laughs> okay, it was wild. It was like just a massive mass of screaming children with their parents dropping them off and then like we went around the corner to drop our uh, preschooler off at the preschool walked back it was it was like a ghost it was just completely empty they just right. it was it was like in it's like in the movies you know when they the, the bell rings and suddenly the hall's empty right 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 yeah Ooh. so school you know i hear you those were the days. Uh, anyways, <laughs> kindergarten, big, big kindergarten for Ramsey. So we're we're excited. Chris, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today. The Supreme Court has basically allowed abortion to become functionally illegal in Texas. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Florida getting tricky with the COVID maths. We're going to talk about a town in Alabama that is in the find out phase of having a Trump rally during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they fucked around in a very specific way. Yeah. We'll look at the background of some of the Afghanistan 
war experts that uh, have been all over cable news for the past month, basically. And just, you know, what what are their jobs when they're not ta- talking about how the removal, the end of this war is a, is a disaster for American <laughs> honor and other specific things. Hmm. Uh, we'll talk about Seinfeld going to Netflix. We'll talk about Pumpkin Spice Madness, all of that, plenty more. But first, Christopher, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? Oh, God. So yesterday I wound up searching Posner selling babies, uh-huh. which is a fun time. <laughs> so something something that, that, that I learned about at the University of Chicago is that Anyone who gets like too into markets eventually like reaches a phase where they go, you have to sell babies. And so, and there's a lot of people who do this. Uh, Posner specifically is this guy named Richard Posner, who this guy was like, he was, he was, he was, he was on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals for like 40 years. He's like, he's like one of the most influential like legal scholars of, of the 21st century. Actually, he's written two articles now about like how you need to have like adoption agencies being able to sell babies and that. Like basically the adoption industry without the market has like an unfair monopoly. And so you to break the monopoly, you have to let them sell children. Right. Because the people who are willing to pay the highest are definitely inherently the most worthy humans. So it makes sense. (laughs) It's, it's, yeah. You know, the specific thing. So so I I remembering this and like Murray Rothbard, who's like the the big narco-capitalist guy is huge on this. And and I was trying to remember, because I had to read like both of them. In, in college, and I was trying to remember, one of the two argued that it would end racism because everyone would see that there were like different values on on like prices of babies because uh, like by, by race, and that th- this would show everyone that racism was real and would end racism. And I was like, whoa, by creating a baby market? <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Yeah, it's uh, libertarianism is a is a time. It is wow. <laughs> So this is the thing that basically all libertarian like economists, like people who are just like, let the market decide, like kind of end up at is like, well, well, babies for certain. What's their issue with the current system is just that too much bureaucracy. Yeah, well, basically, the the problem is that that there's a like the adoption agencies have have a monopoly and, you know, monopolies are inefficient. And so to have efficient like exchange of babies, you have to have markets. Uh-huh. And right. this is the kind of stuff where, like, you know, at, at, at a certain point, you, the, the the people actually in power look at the idea, like the you know, the people who believe this are like the hardcore ideologues, right? They're like the people who are really committed to the market is the most efficient way to do anything. And at some point, the people in charge like stop them, and like this is where the line gets drawn. It's like right. this, and like when when they tried the nuclear, they tried to like have an auction between the different branches of the military to see like who would run the nuclear program. And like that, that's when the that's the point where everyone tells them to stop. But like this is this is a thing that a lot of a, a disturbing number of people who are very influential believe should happen, but will never talk about publicly because you baby selling is just is <laughs> a weird weird oh. look, <laughs> right? And you know Texas is about to have a bumper crop of babies for sale, so that's going to be great for uh, the markets for babies are us. Posner like legit talks about this in in his thing about how like ab- abortion is affecting the supply of babies, right? And how this place and no, it's just it's yeah. Hmm. Oh. Sometimes a little thinking can go a little too far, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little thinking, it's, a little oh, bit. God. Just, just yeah, a just tiny a little bit. <laughs> sliver of very specific thinking uh, without being uh, anchored to any sort of humanity. Right. Well, trying to prove your point like that, you're essentially saying like, oh, yeah, like babies are like Honda preludes, you know, right. like people just got to know that there's like certain ones get a little more money. But you and that's how we'll be able to melt our biases. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, <laughs> and you you were just looking at that to uh, because you were wondering, wait, are markets the most efficient way to distribute babies or you were doing that for a it, it was kind of a reason. Robert Robert Evans was like, Chris, you're doing a as punishment. You're doing a thing on on libertarians and their weird distinction between like pedophilia and what is it, pedophilia, the one that's like slightly older or whatever. 
Oh, so that 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 sent me down the selling baby train. Then I was like, wait, okay, hold on. Which which one of these people was the selling babies will solve races of people, and which one of them was just it's Pareto efficient, right? And it's, and uh, yeah, this is this I, is just what my life is now. <laughs> I was not aware of the libertarian pro pedophilia. That was a. I mean, kind of makes sense based on everything else they believe. It's but just that, an idea. It's a, just a theory. It's just a theory. You know, just looking into it. You right. Know. That's, that's <sighs> libertarianism. Hell of a truck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is something you think is overrated besides libertarianism? I mean, yeah. Uh, OK, I'm going to do another controversial one and say that pizza is overrated. Uh-huh. It's like like it's like fine. Right. But like, OK, so compare the average slice of pizza in the world to like the world's average dumpling. Right. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you think looking at this, right? You have the average slice of pizza and you're comparing it to like soup dumplings or like gyoza or like samosas or pierogi. It's like, it's, it's okay. It's like, it's a good food, but it's just not as good as everyone thinks it is here. It's right. You're so you're, it's, I, I think the reason we love it is because it's of just a crowd pleaser, you know, like yeah. it's hard to say no. But like, is it the be all end all of foods? I'm definitely not in that camp. I mean, I love pizza. But not like in the sense like if you gave me a choice of like maybe some other delicious foods too, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm I'm good for pizza. You know, pizza's a, a time and a place. Are you also saying that dumplings are kind of harder to fuck up because, like, I feel like I've had some really good frozen dumplings. Like yeah. not eating them while frozen, but oh, okay. you know, <laughs> frozen dumplings like <laughs> that you then heat up and they're still pretty good. I have not had as much success with frozen pizza. <laughs> frozen pizza generally sucks yeah i mean they're, they're probably i mean there it is possible to like screw up a dumpling but i feel like the, the the people who are doing it are better at it than just like the average just absolutely awful like weird like probably like six week old uh like home running pizza that comes out of like that is sort of in a box but was like seven minutes before in a freezer it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. totally. <laughs> just... <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, pizza has it is has become so popular that uh, you know they they churn them out now. There's they'll they'll just uh, you know start adding cheese to pizza if there's a cheese surplus, uh, as happened in the I think in the eighties uh, or nineties. What'll be next? Went to what? What's the next surplus that they're going to start forcing onto pizzas? And we're like, oh, oh what's this? What? Huh? Yeah, just grapes. <laughs> grape topping pizzas. Oh man, get a load of these. I mean, super producer Anna Hosni was saying on Twitter the other day that we should put corn on pizza more often. Which corn standard in Japan? Yeah. Huh. Oh man, in Japan, the fucking corn is like on pizza out there. And I used to think it was very strange as a kid, but. You know, Yummy. in context, it it's yeah. There's really huh. nothing. A couple corn kernels on a pizza, you're not going to be like, "What the fuck?" Is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like everything's yeah. fucking corn. So yeah, it's true. To me, pineapple's still more jarring. Like corn doesn't really have as much like a, a flavor that it's going to fully inform the rest of the experience. But yeah, yeah, sure. a little ham and corn. Why not? I'm surprised that corn hasn't been forced down our throat more. As as a pizza topping in the United States, since that is, I guess we've found yeah. found ways to use corn. Otherwise, I think everything that I'm currently touching, including my computer, is actually uh, <laughs> at least thirty percent made of corn. The oh, water yeah. I, I mean, drink is mostly mandated. corn. Yeah, <laughs> everything is thirty percent corn. I, I wonder how much of the pizza is already just corn. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> just, probably like, just like with the corn syrup, like in the sauce. Yeah. I mean, is it is that is it going to make its way into the dough? Probably not, right? I don't know. I hope not, but yeah. What is something you think is underrated? The show Leverage. Have you just seen Leverage? I have not. Okay, Leverage. Leverage rules. Leverage is basically the premise of the show is every episode is it's 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 a forty minute heist movie with con artists, except basically like they. They, they they steal from the rich and give it to poor people, and they do it by just running incredibly elaborate and absurd cons on people who suck. And it's it it is an extremely good time, and more people should know about it because it's just it's it's just fun. Where where can you watch it? 
Is it an um, old show? Oh, yeah. It was on from 08 to 2012. Yeah, there's a new season two that I, I think you can watch on Amazon Prime or something. But yeah, the, it was originally from 2008. And it's like a very, it's a very like post-2008 show in like the best way that I only sort of vaguely remember because I was like 12. But like, <laughs> you know, it's it's very post-2008 in that like, there's a bunch of rich people and they're all bad. And the goal of the show is to screw those people over. And it's oh, okay, right, right, right. Just like anger about the the cultural yeah. recession and the subprime lending shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it holds up, right? Because like even even when they brought the show back, like a, a lot of the sort of old shows that they reboot like are bad because they don't, you know, the the the, the premise of whatever it was about is like, eh. And but, like it, you know, is it that that Robin Hoodness that you yeah that yeah really speaks to you? Yeah, it's, it's a Robin Hoodness, and then also this. I just I like heist movies, and this is like this is like five seasons of heist movie that's also con artists. Which is oh, just extremely fun. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because that was one of those shows too where I just saw the poster and I'm like, don't know what that's about. Yeah. <laughs> don't know what it's about. It's vague. <laughs> Looks like people standing in front of a truck. Okay. Maybe yeah. they're truckers. But now, uh, okay, this is interesting. I'll maybe I'll have to check this one. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a good time. It was a TNT original, it looks like. It originally oh, no aired wonder. on TNT. Yeah, so. yeah. That's <laughs> when I was, I would never cast my eyes upon anything from TNT in that era. So, yeah, this, yeah. All, this all tracks for me. Back then, if you had suggested a TNT original, we would have cut your feed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not a lot. <laughs> Get yeah, out. <laughs> I do feel like there are a number of shows, like, from that tier of cable. Like, um, I think... Suits is one of these that I I just don't I never gave a chance purely because they were on TNT or USA and I was like yeah well <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay uh, yeah like I'm gonna watch that white collar uh huh and they're probably I probably should have so I will check it out Leverage which you can watch on Apple TV for free if you have a uh, Apple or a uh, the is that what it's called apple tv or apple plus whatever that whatever is whatever it is yeah. no idea. <laughs> they have replaced Don't one of the main it. characters with an ipad uh however so. <laughs> <laughs> it's so versatile <laughs> as we talked about on yesterday's episode uh the apple original programming is all just shot through with like kind of the most aggressive uh product placement of all time but all right well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And so in Texas, the Supreme Court basically chose not to block a law or hasn't blocked it yet even though the law is now enforceable. So, like, it seems like the sort of thing they would have blocked by now. But it's basically this, it makes abortion something that is suable after, how many weeks is it? Six weeks? Six weeks. Into a pregnancy, which is before most women realize they're pregnant. Yeah. And it's it's a really wild law in the sense that it deputizes citizens to file civil suits against abortion providers or anyone who helps facilitate the procedure, such as a person who drives a pregnant person to the clinic. So it's basically making it so that you can be like financially ruined for having any involvement in helping somebody get an abortion after after six weeks. Yeah. It's a bad, it's the, it's like the height of fucked up abortion laws. I mean, and this one is the different because it's actually gone into effect. A lot of times we see things that are proposed and then they'll get caught up in courts and then struck down and things like that. But this was allowed to go into effect. And, you know, a lot of advocates who talk about birth control access and abortion access say, you know, this isn't just meant to punish the people who are seeking abortions, but to basically kneecap the entire infrastructure that supports someone who is seeking to exercise any kind of agency over their own body. So, yeah, by doing that, saying, well, now I, if, oh, I saw this person get dropped off in this car to walk into a women's clinic, I'm going to write down, I'm going to do my own fucking investigating and go to court. And it's just wild because if 
they it's like basically just giving ten thousand dollars away to someone who is suing someone because they suspect them of having an abortion. And even if the person defends themselves successfully in court against this, like whatever vigilante suit, there's like no way for them to recoup anything. It's just sort of it is what it is. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fucking grim, grim moment, you know, and right now there's pretty much as this as this law is the only option you really have is to go out of state. Right. And to your point about like the six week thing, that's they're saying that's 85 to 90 percent of the women who seek abortions in the state of Texas. Right. Like if it's as after that six week point. So, yeah, we're looking at just a really, you know, draconian, just outright ban on abortion there, basically. Yeah. There's something so American conservative about like deputizing people to like spy on and like enforce the fucking law against their neighbors. Like just in my experience where living in communities that were like strongly Baptist, Southern Baptist, that is that is the culture is people talking shit about each other's like whether they're saved or not and whether mm -hmm. like what actions they've taken that they think is like, you know, sinful and yeah, this is um worried for for a country, especially because I mean this is people are saying like, well, if if they're not gonna stop this law, they're certainly, you know, in when it actually comes up for Supreme Court uh judgment. Like th this is another one of the cases that's kind of shadow docket where they like push yeah, it through totally. on an emergency basis and the Supreme Court just hasn't done anything about it, even though it's clearly a constitutional emergency. But when the actual Roe v. Wade case comes up, I mean, it's not Roe v. Wade coming up, but there's a actual case in Mississippi, I believe, coming up for Supreme Court judgment. I mean, this this indicates that they're going to essentially overturn Roe. Right. Or, you know, and the, the thing with this one is it's this bill as the as the law is now is unconstitutional absolutely um and so and it's and yeah it is a reminder that yeah we have a six three conservative fucking majority super majority essentially in the supreme court and yeah i mean like and this is one of those things too what a lot of states do is they see a little bit of like you know especially states that are hell-bent on taking away people's access to abortions and things like that they look at what other states are doing what they've got gotten away with and they'll immediately start mimicking that locally, too. So, yeah, it's just a very, uh, very awful, awful time. And, yeah, there's a there's clearly a ton of litigation around this, but it it really doesn't bode well uh, for, you know, the Roe v. Wade as it stands. You know, one thing I will say about this, though, is that like, well, I mean, on, on the one hand, we have the thing that we're, you know, we're all just ruled by a junta now. Like this right. is literally like we 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 are we are being governed by fiat by like a junta of like random people from Harvard and Yale, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, you know, but on the other hand, like, you know, this, this this cuts in a lot of different directions. But the Supreme Court's power is fake, right? Like, you like, like they basically like the, the Supreme Court's power of just review is something they just declared that they had in the early in the I think it's late seventeen hundreds early eighteen hundreds. They just like unilaterally in Marbury vs. Madison just said, like, we have the ability to do this. And, you know, the state can just ignore them. Like, this is, this is something that, like, it, you, you only see it every once in a while. It's usually only done for, like, absolutely terrible evil. But, like, you can just tell the Supreme Court to fuck off. And there's nothing they can do about it. Like, right. le like legally, they do, like, the, the powers that they claim to have are not in the Constitution. They just gave it to themselves. And so, you know, I mean, like, this is the point we're at now, right? Like, being ruled by a junta, they're just, you know, they're, they're evicting millions of people by weird fiat. They're about to just take everyone's, you know, ability to have abortions away. And, like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that, like, right. we have to actually be thinking about because we, we've, we've reached the sort of, like, fascism level where they've created, like, just the abortion Gestapo. Who are right. just like 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 one of the things I I was reading about was on on you know the last nights where abortions were legal, like a whole bunch of the these people like showed up to the abortion clinics and were like shining spotlights through the windows of the the like like of of the hospital. Jesus, just yeah, just absolute horror show. Yeah, 
Right. Just, yeah. But yeah, and it's, I'm wondering, you know, that's where we have to arrive at a point where it's like, we're adjudicating these monumentally important societal issues with a group of people that like can like with a system that can be gamed essentially with how you how you make up the supreme court and then still being like right uh based on like the rigid interpretation of the constitution we decide to not give people civil rights yeah and that's that so where 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 is the you know where are the remedies for that and where you know at what point are we going to begin to really actually trying to think of how to reform this sort of form of oversized power that they have and typically goes against the well-being of most people right like even even though constitutionally you can argue that they don't have the power to do this like practically speaking they you know in a state like Texas where Republicans and conservatives kind of run everything like they'll if you ignore this ruling and, you know, get or perform an abortion like they can still sue you and take a bunch of take like lots of your money. Right. So, it's, yeah, it's not all, you know, yeah. in, some, in some instances. And that's what's really vile about this is that it incentivizes people to just be. I'm probably pretty frivolous. I'm sure there's someone who's going to figure out a way to do math and be like, well, if I take these many lawsuits and this many hit, then I can actually have a good income just harassing people who are trying to get an abortion. Right. Yeah. And, and, and even more than just that, like, you know, people are like, anytime you have a system that's just like, hey, we, you can snitch on your neighbors now and, they'll, and some people will pay you like people will just use this against random people. Like that, that yeah, that's going to just start happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this, you know, this is what happens when you create these like, this just this like ab- this weird Stasi like everyone's an informant now like we p- will pay you for informing shit it's mm-hmm. you know it, it degrades into it, it not even degrades like the the point of it is just to create this absolute like just nightmare surveillance state where like everyone around you is turning you into the state and it's like right and now and has a chilling effect on anyone not just yep. a person who's seeking an abortion but just anyone around them. You know, if they need help in any way now that they could be potentially caught up in, you know, what can turn into a $10,000 legal thing and plus whatever else, other, you know, damages or penalties that are included with that. So like at this point, when they're trying to turn the entire state of Texas into like footloose, like do why why wouldn't Joe Biden and the Democrats who have the power to do something like wouldn't this be the time to just be like okay fuck the filibuster like look at look at what they're trying to do like the majority of uh, americans are not for this sort of anti-choice uh legislation so like we we are beholden like we have to do this or else they're basically hijacking the country from us like isn't isn't wouldn't that make sense? And like, is what is stopping them from doing that other than just the fact that they also benefit from the status quo? I mean, I think I mean, you know, the comments from Biden have been that he's he's saying that, you know, this administration is committed to these things and they will do what it takes to defend it. So, I mean, whether that means that they're going to bring a suit or something is possible but I, I don't know right now the 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 most immediate thing would be if the supreme court issued a stay on the ban in the next right. few days yeah but you, you'd think like if they really believed it was unconstitutional they wouldn't have allowed it in the first place yeah right I and mean, i think you know i think that there's two things with this one is that you know uh, like a short like okay the the like short of like biden actually taking seriously the packing the court stuff which he's not going to like they're, you know, like, even if they do a lawsuit, they're going to lose, right? So there's not much, like, they're, they're probably not going to do anything. And they don't really have, I don't think they have much incentive to because, you know, fundamentally, the Democratic Party cares about abortion insofar as it's a good fundraising issue, right? right. And, you know, and like, the, 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 like the, the, the more dire the threat, the better the fundraising issue is, right? None, you know, none of that money actually will, will go back into, like, defending abortions. You know, I mean, abortions already been, like, almost functionally illegal in a lot of places before this. Right. Like right. They, they care about it as a political prop. They don't care about like actually helping people get abortions. And, you know, at least the second thing is like the, the only thing that is going to get any of these people to do anything is if they're scared. 
Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and, then the, the, and the right was extremely effective about this, right? Like the right did bombing campaigns. The right did like they shot people like they, you know, they, they waged an enormous terror campaign and it worked. And so, you know, at, at, at a certain point, you have to start looking at like, OK, so how, how do you actually like it, how do you actually pressure any of the people who are supposed to care about this to do literally anything? Right. And it's like, you know, it's probably it's not terrorism like that doesn't work. It doesn't right. work for us, right? But you know, you do, you, like it, 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 I, th- I think it comes down to a combination of like we have to do it ourselves, you know, in, in terms of protecting people, in terms of helping people get abortions, in terms of you know, right. well, I guess we're gonna have to provide access now because, and then also like it's it's up to us to scare them enough that they do the right thing, because right. otherwise they won't. Yeah, yeah, it'll. Yeah, that's that's why the, I'm really curious to see what happens in the next couple of days because aside from just stating the obvious like the president has by saying like oh this is uncon oh this is fucked up well what are you going to do about it yeah are you going to articulate as a plan to begin to try and offset that and i think a lot of people will be looking closely uh because we're already like in a situation where you look at you're like you guys have all this power and majorities and things like that but i don't we don't see much movement and you're allowing a lot of things like just saying, like pinning it all on mansion and cinema to be like, well, God, if they weren't there, you know, right. that's just such an easy out. And it really does smack of just the will's not there. If it's yeah. purely just two people or, you know, it's much larger than that. But if you're going to if the narrative that you're constructing is like this one guy, I mean, God, right, folks, America, huh? Like that's the, that doesn't communicate the will to me that you really are trying to do everything you can to to further this agenda forward that would actually be a benefit to, you know, the majority of the country. And the Supreme Court may have put a stay on this, like, law or, like, suspended this law by the time you're listening to this episode. But uh, even if that happens, a lot of people are saying that they suspect what's happening here is that the Supreme Court is letting this law go into effect as sort of a weather balloon to see what the reaction is. Because they're like we've talked about before, the, they are not a, you know, an abstract body of like higher beings who just judge based on pure reason. They are political actors. It is a political part. It is it is the Supreme Court is political. And so um, people expect that, you know, as they're getting ready to make the decision to try and functionally overturn Roe, this is a helpful like kind of early weather balloon to see like how what the reaction is how bad the blowback is before they do that and also will probably help them strategize when they ultimately do uh, what they're what they're talking about doing and right. i'm sure they're also aware that if it goes over badly enough then and people start talking about packing the court then that would be bad for their power and so yeah. the, you know because well, they're essentially like the 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 parent in the middle of a culture war argument where it's like, I think you should have abortions. I don't think you should have abortions. I think you, dad. Right. And then they, what is it? Well, guess what? We're a six, three conservative majority. Guess how we're going to side with it and move on. And that's really like how all this shit is playing out constantly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, between, you know, the, the media has been a very like soft touch. I feel like with like what they've been saying, they're like, Oh wow, it's extreme. But like, not a lot of outrage, yeah. you know, but just merely describing it as unconstitutional rather than saying, like, this is completely against everything, you know, that you thought whatever, whatever you thought America was. But just in general, what a civil society would do. This is not it. And this should not be happening at all. And this is the most extreme bill that we have on the books right now. But, you know. Again, it's just a it's a slow moving process, but I'm I'm really curious to see what happens over the next twenty four hours. Really, yeah, and I think it's like you know, I mean, this is the thing. Like, there probably will be protests, but it's like you know, if if people if if a bunch of people get in the street and like walk from A to B, it doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't. Right. Like, you know, and and you know, so and if the reaction is there's a few protests, but people sort of give up, like you know, it, it nothing will happen. But if the reaction is like. I don't know, like people start shutting down airports or like, you know, like it happened in like 2017 or, you know, God, God helped them. Like people like, you know, people decide to like shut down the port of Los Angeles or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Which is which is the thing that is like that is possible. Right. You know, it is extremely unlikely. But, like if that kind of stuff starts happening, like 
yeah, they're gonna they they will roll it back lest like more damage happen. Yeah, right. this is something you guys talked about on uh, one of the episodes of It Could Happen Here that, you know, people underestimate the effectiveness of a general strike and, like, the media really keeps <laughs> keeps that. Yeah. On, like, they don't really talk that much about it. But when the flight attendants threatened to mm-hmm. strike, like, when during the government shutdown, the government was opened back up in, like, a few hours after yeah. after being shut down for how many days? Like an unprecedented yeah. <laughs> like length, because you know they they knew how wildly unpopular it was going to be for people to have their vacations taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think one more thing on that is that like you know specifically like the, the reason it worked with that flight attendants could do this is because there there's specific like logistics sectors that are extremely vulnerable. Like specifically, like air transport, and then also shipping, and you know, rail lines and stuff like that. And you know, like a, a large, large scale general strikes are really hard, but you can effectively get rid of like a similar number of people's labor by just blocking the products from getting anywhere. And so, right. or you know, like 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 stop, stopping the transit system. You can you can you can effectively stop enormous numbers of people of labor, even if enormous numbers of people people's labor, even if you don't have like the resources you need to like immediately carry out a general strike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of stuff is possible. I guess like yeah, possible and, you know, probably what's necessary if this isn't just going to run through and steamroll us all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's just happening at a time where people it's, you know, the timing couldn't be worse or more perfect depending on how you're looking at it because yeah. you're already just the level of despair that's just generally being felt throughout the fucking planet really all-time high and you know i think people are more hopeless but i don't know in a recent like pandemic poll it seemed like people were more like resilient or more aware of what they had to do in terms of getting through a pandemic so i don't know how much that translates here but you'd hope that on some level there's enough outrage left in the tank for That was yeah. my favorite. I mean, I, I I don't put any stock in polls, but just the idea of people being less hopeful, more energized. Like those, I think that needs to be what America is. Is not like hope implies like you know things are going to get better, ind- like independent of what we do, and like mm-hmm. that has been proven time and again that that's not true. Like there needs to be action. Right. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back, and a Alabama, an Alabama town. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, a town in Alabama where Trump had his rally ten days ago is, you know, struggling a little bit. We we said at the time that experts were saying cancel this shit. The surge is too bad, and they were like, yeah, okay, experts, <laughs> right? And how's that working out for them, Miles? I mean, it's just fucked up, man. Ten days or so after they had this huge rally, you're just seeing now there's just a big increase. The state saw a 16% increase in hospitalizations. The Coleman County, where this rally was, saw a 90% increase. And, you know, it's it's just a situation where the schools are even like, hey, we're with the masks. Come on now. Like, that's going to be a choice for the parents to decide if they want that for their kids. And when you hear like there were like local health advocates and experts who were saying like, you know, can you tie these increased hospitalizations and things like that to this rally? They said, quote, there were people I can assure you that said, by golly, I'm going to see that Trump rally. I've been waiting on this forever. I guarantee you there were people there that were sick. I mean, and the vaccination rate in that specific place is about 35 percent. So all of those things coupled together, it's like, yeah, this is kind of a bad outcome. But interestingly enough, for, for an area where they're like, we're, we're never going to make people wear masks like or like, you know, vaccines, like we're not going to really talk about it. Suddenly, the school board explained like in a Facebook post, they said, quote, uh, where we respect the choice of parents in regards to masks, these preventative steps are necessary to slow the spread of COVID. Uh, This mandate will be for two weeks, beginning Monday, August 30th, and expiring 
on Friday, September 10th at the end of the school day. So I was like, oh, wow, okay, because one week would have been overkill (laughs) to have masks going on in the middle of a pandemic. But yeah, it's just one of those things where suddenly it's it's hard to keep up with that same rhetoric when you're looking at just the real life outcomes that are happening and they're dealing with that. By the way, kids are the least resistant people to masks like in in the country, by the way. They're like they because it's just like, yeah, they they're adaptable. They don't give a shit like they're, oh, this is going to keep me from getting sick. Okay, I'll I'll wear a mask and deal with it. It's in in my experience, it's the anyone over the age of 50 really seems to have a very difficult time with it. So, well, that's that's horrible. uh, Very predictable, unfortunately. So let's talk about Seinfeld, the the show about nothing, yeah. a show that <laughs> occupies a large part of my brain. Just mem- remembering Seinfeld and Simpsons jokes are, uh, you know, that that's just like they're on a cycle somewhere in the back of my brain at all times. And just like sometimes my brain burps it up like from my unconscious. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I do remember that scene. <laughs> That it has nothing to do with anything that I'm thinking about right now. What is wrong with me? Right. But a new generation is going to get introduced to Seinfeld because Seinfeld's time on Hulu is nearing an end this summer. And I guess it vanished off the platform in June. Yeah. And people were like, what happened? But Netflix. Geriatric millennials. Yeah. You know, especially like, <laughs> my stories. What happened Where'd to they my go? stories? Yeah, I I had no idea because I wasn't really keeping track of the bidding wars over Seinfeld. (laughs) But Netflix paid $500 million to get that on their old platform. That's the office money. Now, I don't know. Is that have the same appeal? I'm not quite sure. I'm really curious what that actually, if that's a good business decision or just merely because it's on Netflix, people are just going to be like, oh, cool. Have you seen this show Seinfeld <laughs> that's on Netflix now? It's pretty fun. I don't know. Like, what are they? I don't I'm, uh, I guess the projections are strong enough that they felt it was worth that. But yeah, I, I, I hope a part of me is like, oh, I'd watch that. But then I'm like, I don't know. Do I have the energy where I would like? <laughs> navigate to netflix to watch seinfeld because i damn sure didn't do it with hulu but yeah who knows? i wonder maybe this would be billy eilish's new favorite show because the like we, when you look at the streaming numbers like netflix is like i i feel like there's a big part of people uh, a big part of the country where they when they think streaming they just think netflix like that's just netflix has like taken that corner of uh, people's brain and so it just always they always go to netflix and they only have netflix of the streaming services they, that that's what the numbers seem to indicate there's netflix really dwarfs the competition so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if this you know combo seinfeld on netflix is is going to like make seinfeld a national institution again <laughs> right the press release it was really interesting they said like the credits that they give, they're like, it's including Julia Louis-Dreyfus from Troll and Family Ties and Jason Alexander from Pretty Woman. I'm like, is this from the fucking eight? Like, who? <laughs> They've been in other shit. So are I don't know why it? you're doing Is that a bit? Like, are they doing it like this is what it said back then? Or they just really forgot it- about Veep? It could be. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm. this is just like an extract from like an excerpt from like an article I was reading. But I mean, they're saying like, you know, it's going to be like they're giving them the whole run of like when it started to when it ended. And like it's going to be on starting October 1st, 2021. I it, It's just a very odd. Maybe someone just didn't give a fuck when they're putting the press release together. Yeah, it's really right. weird because like I, I figured it was like, oh, this is like this is people like me who are like either like very very young i'm like like i'm like on the border of like millennial and gen z and like i wonder if this like because my usual stuff is like oh this is this is to get the zoomers to watch this mm-hmm. but like why that the press release makes no sense with the trying to get the boomers to watch i mean the zoomers to watch it <laughs> completely <laughs> befuddled you know jason alexander from pretty woman like i mean <laughs> in my mind right. i'm like sure jason alexander from 
I mean, he was always playing bit parts and things. So and was like really a monster, like, right? Like in Pretty Woman, wasn't he like just a complete misogynistic piece of shit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like, uh, uh, you know, he was in that. He the was lovable a of sexual Curb. predator from <laughs> yeah Curb. That would be funny if they were thrown out Curb. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, like, he was the gargoyle Hugo and Hunchback of Notre Dame. He was the voice of <laughs> like I don't know what you what credits you really put for Jason Alexander. You're like, oh shit, right, him, the guy from Coneheads who was the neighbor who had the toupee. Like, yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> But for Michael Richards, they did cite his performance at the Laugh Factory as his one credit that everybody knows. <laughs> they did go post, post Seinfeld. <laughs> All right. Well, it is officially September, which means it's time to bring on the pumpkin spice madness, baby. Starbucks already rolled out their fall menu, including the uh, pumpkin spice latte back at the end of August. They also unveiled a new pumpkin love ometer, pumpkin loveometer, which what is I think it just like measures how much people want to fuck pumpkins, <laughs> probably. What do you even do? How does this meter function? You ingest <laughs> it, you touch it, you just f- fucking declare your love for pumpkin anything? I'm, I'm uh, headed there right now, Miles, so I can tell you. It says oh, browser it's not supported. Uh, okay. <laughs> Great side. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going for ubiquity, huh? Find out where you fall. Okay, I will. So you go on here. It says, oh, take the quiz. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. quiz. I'm Except good. Yeah. Oh, boy. I get it. There's I two things it. that everybody's talking about and loving is BuzzFeed quizzes and pumpkin spice lattes. Right. And everything's just coming out. I just also, too, like Duncan, there's, their shit's coming out earlier than normal. Because I remember it last year in the middle of the pandemic. When pumpkin spice everything season came around, I felt like everyone was like, dude, what what day is it? Pumpkin <laughs> who? And and I think maybe this time since we had somewhat of we were outside more, like I'm I'm realizing it's fall again. But they feel I feel like they just keep starting it earlier and earlier and earlier. Like it's it's like it's large it's longer than the actual season of fall or winter combined. Right. Yeah. They go they go deep. Uh the Quiz sucks. Uh, so I'll just put it at that. They're like, what, how much do you love pumpkin spices and lattes? <laughs> Is it like so much? Is like it you like, love it a lot? Do you like, do you have wet dreams about pumpkin spice lattes, bro? Come on. Like, right. there's no option that's not, that has, that is like a tasteful, non pumpkin spice horny version. Right. So that's the fun there. Uh, Duncan rolled out their pumpkin he wears even earlier than Starbucks on August 18th. And one of the kind of wild new products we've got, uh, we'll we'll give you two in reverse order of how ill-conceived they are. So we have Hungry Howie's Pizza releasing pumpkin spice Howie bread, which is just like kind of a sweet, you know, thing. What's Hungry Howie? Hungry Howie's? Yeah. It's just like a a pizza place. It's around. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Damn, uh, I've never desecrated my insides with a Hungry Howie's pizza before. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not great. It's, uh, <laughs> got, now. Yeah, anyone, anyone who's in pumpkin spice Howie bread, I'm like, mm, that was business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good over there? But it doesn't, it doesn't seem that bad because it, it is a sweet, like a, a sweet bread, and they're giving you... The photo looks like it comes with a ranch dip, but I guess it's icing, <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> Fuck yeah, just do a ranch. Yeah. You know? Yeah, just go full ranch. Yeah. Uh, like, no America's two favorite flavors combined. <laughs> yeah, where's pumpkin spice ranch? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Budweiser announced a new pumpkin spice flavor uh, of Bud Light Seltzer. So, yeah, because, I mean, their customer base has mostly given up. So it makes, <laughs> makes sense. Uh, what? Uh, uh, that's... That's a, a a bridge too far for me. I think you yeah. don't. We don't have to 
don't fuck with the seltzers making it all <laughs> flanneled out with your pumpkin spice ideas. Right, the seltzers are supposed to be like light and crisp, not like warm and savory, right? Like, do, does anybody want a like warm feeling from their seltzer? No, certainly I not something like... that like I associate with like dairy. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, as a yeah. seltzer, you're like, Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I envision a lot of creaminess or something like that to a, that flavor. So, hmm. They, they also have a flannel pack that also includes other, like, fall-inspired flavors for the Bud Light Seltzer, including apple maple, toasted marshmallow, toasted schmellow. Now, when they say fall-inspired, they're talking about this season and not the general just fall of america of mankind yeah yeah i was gonna say like this feels very <laughs> bread and pumpkin spice right pumpkin spice bread and circuses we're getting right now. <laughs> this next product is a uh, fall of the human species inspired it is the the winner of the year of worst idea for a pumpkin spice product a cup of noodles is releasing pumpkin spice ramen noodles oh, the no. promo photo <laughs> has a cup in the hand of a reanimated corpse whose arm is poking through uh, their unmarked grave, poking through a bunch of leaves. And I'm just going to read the description of the product that came from the company. (laughs) There's a fine line between genius and insanity. Care to cross it with us? Oh, my God. Cup noodles. Oh, so it's not cup-o noodles. It's just cup Mm. noodles? Cup noodles. Cup noodles yeah. uh, jumps on the pumpkin spice crazy train with a special <laughs> pumpkin seasoning that's the perfect blend of sweet, savory, and spiced. These saucy noodles are ready with just a splash of water and four minutes in the microwave for the full pumpkin spice experience. Top it with whipped cream for the quickest, tastiest, and most outlandish pumpkin spice in a cup experience you never no, knew you needed no, coming no, to select walmarts no. in october and then in parentheses to close it out yes, yes really the, i'm really i have a problem with this image because it's meant to evoke some like night of the living dead shit right but it's like that's what so you want to evoke like corpses coming out of the ground being like we love this product because it's certainly not supposed to be like Halloweeny, I guess, or maybe it is. It's it's they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the, the only explanation I can think of is that like that's the hand of the person who invented ramen and they're like trying to drag it back to hell with them. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. The original, like the guy who came up with cup noodles, like instant noodle thing, he's like, This isn't what it was meant for. It's Jonathan Gold, the food critic, just oh, pulling man. it. Sorry. Right? He's not in hell though. He's just no, in here. No. But yeah, this is a, but you know what's the funny thing is I remember when the takeout, they got like a promo box of this shit. They said it was good. What? The cup noodles? Yes. What? Yes. What? I, I will take the takeout's <sighs> enthusiasm for junk food to a point. Uh, <laughs> right. And this is that point. Wow. I mean, I don't know if they had, if I don't know if they topped their noodles with whipped cream, like, you know, all, you know, all Asian people love to top their noodles with whipped cream. So yeah. <laughs> get behind that real yeah. easily. Like, oh, my grandmother saw this. She would. <laughs> you know what I this won't. noodles, you know what this noodle dish needs? Lactose. Need <laughs> <laughs> some right. lactose in here. Sugar. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then Native Deodorant actually scrapped their pumpkin spice products and announced the decision with a giant ad in the New York Times a few weeks ago. So that's how you know it's fully like run its course is that just canceling a pumpkin spice like a gimmick product gets you it is actually like a marketing campaign so oh but their whole thing is like we don't fuck with it right we're off this shit buy native deodorant clever yeah lean the other way Mm mm-hmm the dad says you have bad taste oh great pumpkin please say more i want to buy your product Stinking like pumpkin spice latte over our clean bodies. It was your idea in the first place. We didn't, like, <laughs> make you do it. What are you talking about? Oh, right. boy. Wow. It's, I'm, I'm just, like, trying to read, like, the fine print of it. It's, like, they're really trying to be, like, we did you a solid, dude. Yeah. I, I, this is, it's just so funny, like, how, like, over the years when this time of year comes around, 
how I just get like more and more dejected by it. Right. Like it's not like, oh yeah. shit, right. Cause it used to just be this thing where like I remember back at the at the old office, DJ Daniel was like, It's pumpkin spice season, baby. And that was just more like, oh, okay, right, he's fucking with it. Yeah. And then the next year, like twenty eighteen, it started being like, Oh my God, man, we got pumpkin spice everything. Twenty nineteen was like, We're moving it up three weeks and we got pumpkin spice socks. And then twenty twenty, like no one gave a fuck, but like they're still like trying to ramp the volume up. And then right. this year it's like, please, pumpkin spice. Right. You're fucked up. Get in your Uber and go home. <laughs> we don't need you. Just anything. You're making me sad by showing up every year and reminding me of the lack of other progress we have. <laughs> but that's the that's how American capitalism works. Is it like defines a like good feeling and then mm-hmm. finds a way to like graft some sort of product onto it and like kind of commoditize it until we feel like it's cheapened the love of fall now feels cheap right yeah. <laughs> right seizing of, of time passing and enjoying that right we've turned it into a flavor that you can yeah. desecrate your noodles with now you can't look <laughs> at like pictures of you and your family and like changing leaves without being like that looks like a pumpkin spice latte ad <laughs> oh my god <laughs> no uh, save us uh. um, we will with market economy, with market <laughs> economics, baby. Just sell us your kid and uh, we'll be good. Christopher, such a pleasure having you, man. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? Yeah, I'm at itmechr3 on Twitter or the Ice Must Be Destroyed guy. I, yeah, I, I work for Cools on Media now, so follow them on Twitter. Yeah, it's at Cools on Media. Um, I'm also, yeah, I work behind the bastards. I work on It Could Happen Here. and. And yeah, those both fine, fine shows everybody should be checking out, listening to. Yeah. Is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, man. Okay. So did, did you see the, the there's there's this Reddit post there where a bunch of a bunch of Provax people took over the uh, the the r slash. This is the this is the moment where I'm realizing I've never actually heard the name of the horse drug said out loud. Ivermectin. Ivermectin. Yeah, they took over the the, the Arsenal Ivermectin subreddit, and there there was one post that was rage against the vaccine. Some of those that work forces want the patients for horses. Oh yes, <laughs> I see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did they do? They took over the the subreddit and just like, what did they do? They just like posting. Yeah, just like shit posted like pro vaccine stuff and posted some of those that workforces want the pace that's for horses. (laughs) It's good stuff. It's that's great. Yeah. And they're also they're uh, subs that are like basically boycotting Reddit for the day to get try and get them to take down all the misleading bullshit. I think they they, they've apparently when when I reloaded the page for this meme like i think the the reckon the, the the subreddit's been quarantined so i guess it's <laughs> maybe working but yeah. the irony who knows yeah <laughs> <laughs> we, had to, we had to quarantine the subreddit for 10 days till it got a negative test <laughs> <laughs> miles where can people find you what's a tweet you've been enjoying uh, find me twitter and instagram at miles of gray also the other show 420 day fiance with sophia alexander if you like 90 day fiance come through we got our takes weekly and a tweet that I like is from at Rossi Songo. It says, Tyra used to chop girls' hair off and we'd be at home like, girl, stop crying. Do you want to be on top or not? Just a very dark time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> like, it was just like, yeah, that's the way. Be abused to get right. to the top. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> uh, Swamp Monster tweeted, my uncle lives in Laplace, and we hadn't been able to contact him since landfall of Hurricane Ida. Motherfucker just walked in our front door and said, I'm alive, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and so in, in response to this news story about upon reviewing her vaccination card, 24-year-old Chloe Mrozak allegedly misspelled Moderna as... Yeah. Ma- M-A-D-E-R-N-A, Maderna, Maderna, and Tara Dublin said, Maderna is literally what my grandma Dorothy called Madonna in the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Maderna, that Maderna. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) 
can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. And we have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Uh, hey, Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy on this fine Thursday? Okay, so this is a track called Woof by Still Woozy. It's just in- interesting, interesting music. I mean, look, it's like this guy's kind of like on his... It's like it's like a genre it's hard to put your finger on, mm. but it's a fun listen. It's got good singing in it. It's got a little lovely, lovely beat to it. And yeah, just 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 try something new on. This is called Still Woozy with the track Wolf, W-O-O-F. Lovely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, real quick, y'all, uh, we are going to finally do on a streaming corner on tomorrow's episode. Yep. A Friday episode Friday. where we're going to discuss the season one of White Lotus. Now that everybody has had a chance to see it. What a it. show, huh? What a what shy. A All right. So uh, check out that show and tune in for the streaming corner. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio for more podcasts. From iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.